So folks, if you've been looking for that great rodeo, it's happening right here in Nephi. With all the excitement, all of the tradition of this amazing rodeo, hey, we invite you to come see us. Welcome back to another beautiful sound, Lonely Town, a killer's podcast with Derek and Jimmy. We are going to continue talking today about This River is Wild. It's part two of this who knows how long series about this beautiful <laughs> song that we all love. Okay. Maybe maybe I've taken it a little bit too far. Yeah, if you haven't listened to episode uh, volume one, you might want to go back and catch up just to know what we're talking about. But uh, hopefully we can wrap it up in this episode. So one of the reasons I wanted to stop where we did is I felt like there was a natural transition in the song to where it goes from the men in red telling him something or his dad telling him, which might be what it's about, to Brandon's thoughts on, on what he's been offered. Um, you know, he's been told this, this town is a pass-through place. Come with us. We'll show you the, what the world's really like. And then it starts with this next part of the song says, or should I just get along with myself? I never did get along with everybody else. And so, you know, I think this is Brandon's um, experience in Nephi. He felt like he didn't fit there. Um, nobody else liked the music he liked. Nobody else could golf as much as he could. <laughs> you tried, but you he, just can keep up. He he golfed whenever he wanted to, and sometimes that meant he golfed by himself. And um, I, you know, I think he got along well enough with those of us that golfed with him. But it wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to go because I don't have anybody to play with. He was anyway. Side sidetracking. <laughs> well, not only that, but he'd, he'd golf with whoever was available to golf. So. He'd golf with... Uh, he met a lot of characters up there. <laughs> a lot of characters, but a lot of them weren't uh, necessarily the same age group. It might be, you know, 80-year-old men that were retired up there in the morning. It could be, you know, 40-year-old guys cutting out work early, or it could be uh, kids on the golf team. So um, that way he got to golf and, and know a lot of different people uh, from around town just, just that way at the golf course. Yeah. And then the other self-reflection he does seems to be... Uh, We've seen similar things in other songs where he says, I've been trying hard to do what's right, but, you know, I could stay here all night. You know, I think in Bling, his dad's battle to change his life around from a life potentially with alcohol addiction and spirituality. And then this, for me, is brings in, in Brandon's battle with um, fame versus uh, spirituality that we see in other songs. And where he says he's trying hard to do what's right, but... He doesn't really want to stick around town. <laughs> and I could stay here all night and watch the clouds fall from the sky. Again, this this symbolism of falling and uh, you know, that we see with the leaves that you see on the trapeze. And then he says, this river is wild. Um, you had, he had more interaction that way with Brandon. I never heard of people having a real problem with Brandon. Did no. you ever hear of people no. that didn't get along with him uh, in a small town, in a small school, if, if there were fights to be had? Uh, we'd all hear about it and be, you know, <laughs> trying to go find them and watch them or, or whatever. I, I don't remember him ever getting in fights with people or, or having problems that way. Uh, it sounds like, or should I just get along with myself? Almost like an internal battle going that way of, um, you know, maybe I want to leave, maybe I don't. Or probably going back and forth with, with what the man in red's told him. Is it is it going to make a difference if I leave or should I just figure this out on my own? Kind of going through that struggle. Um you know, when you're when you're a teenager, um, those years are tough. We've talked about that a lot too. Uh, but there's probably an internal, you know, things. There's issues going on. You're trying to to develop and, and figure out what your life is going to be like. So, 
I imagine he's just kind of having that, you know, argument in his head of, of trying to get along with himself and figure out what he wants. Uh, yeah, people weren't into his kind of music. Um, he kind of dressed a different way, and, and he played golf. I, I don't know. He wasn't Miss Popular. He wasn't winning, like, the Prom King or anything like that, but I don't think there was a big uh, group of people that necessarily disliked him either. I don't know. I think he was eighth grade, eighth grade vice president. Oh, well, <laughs> Something like that. Did you vote for him? No, we didn't vote for the eighth grade. Oh, no, that's true. So I mean, I don't, I don't think it was, I don't think he was just uh, necessarily picked on and bullied constantly. I don't know that for a fact, but. Um, but like many teenagers, he was trying to find out who he was and what. Yeah, I think it was just that internal struggle and and not not getting along with everybody. Just maybe just didn't feel like he fit in there. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Music, fashion, that kind of thing is pretty big, especially during those years for you and personality. And and like we've discussed, he, he just didn't have anybody really um, into the same stuff as him. Yeah, and then later where he says, sometimes I'm nervous when I talk. Sometimes I, l- I hate the line I walk. I think that's, for me, just more of the, you know, the battle between trying to do what's right and do what other people expect of you. I don't know, the, that the line about the line I walk kind of seems like the balance between the expectations of the culture in a place like Nephi versus fitting in versus being who you really feel like you are, those kind of things. And the other thing about what he talks about, sometimes I'm nervous when I talk and I shake a little. We have similar lyrics in Bling where he says, how do you know that you're right if you're not nervous anymore? And so, you know, just another connection with that song that that I couldn't help but write down. (laughs) I want to ask you a little bit about that too. Um, The way I remember Brandon and what interactions I had is different than the guy on stage. Uh, I think the guy on stage is, it's Brandon, but I think it's a character. It's a, it's a performer. It's, it's a rock star. And I think, uh, if you see interviews with Brandon, uh, talking when he's not on stage, you can kind of see there's a different personality. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily nervous at this point, uh, because he's just done tons of interviews and had interactions with people, but kind of the Brandon I remember was not shy, but a little more soft spoken, um, introvert, yeah. inter- introvert, and uh, I don't know if I mean you spent time talking with him, and you've had conversations at the golf course, and, and going and playing games, rounds of golf, I guess. You weren't just playing games. I don't know what you call that. You had interactions where you would go rounds and play some golf with him and stuff. Um, the personality and stuff that that you knew, or the Brandon that you remember, uh, was it the guy on stage, or was it more of this? I'm kind of nervous when I talk, and and I shake a little. No, I think, like you said, I, I think he was an introvert, but he wasn't shy. You know, he he would talk about, he had no problem talking to people. And it, when I re- hear these words, it makes me think about, you know, the early videos of the Killers' performances and what Brian Party told us when we talked to him about, you know, this the guy he met or he knew when they first started getting big around Vegas when he would perform, sometimes he would just look at his feet. You know, you don't know what to do with your hands. You don't know where to look. And it was probably a lot of nerves because you're, you're kind of putting yourself out there with, in front of all these people uh, to be judged. And there's been plenty of times when they have been. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I think of this, this point is that, you know, he's not shy, but it's not easy to get up on a stage in front of thousands of people either. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think he's definitely developed a, a stage presence, and I think it was Matt Penfield we were talking to that said 
you know, you can learn that kind of a thing. You can learn how to perform or put on a show, but you can't really learn how to write songs or, or uh, I don't know, write music, be, have, have that it factor, whatever it is. So uh, from Matt's perspective, the killers had it and Brandon's developed this other um, side. I, I think there was, a, I can't remember. It was on that uh, X96 interview where he talks with the morning show. I can't remember who the person was, though. He was talking about a performer that he met. Uh, Lou Reed. Was it Lou Reed? When he looked in the mirror and yeah. he was wearing the leather jacket. Yeah, he, he was talking about Lou Reed looking in the mirror and uh, had the leather jacket on and said something to the effect of, I wish I was that guy. And that kind of, like, Brandon said kind of blew his mind at the time. And that would have been pretty early into their, their. Uh, I mean, was that sawdust? So that was right around this point. Triple but. A, yeah. So maybe maybe Brandon took a little something from that of, you know, Lou Reed's not really Lou Reed. He can go on stage and he can put on a performance, but when he comes back through, he's just a normal guy that wishes he was the guy on stage. We've seen concerts, even from the first concert we went to to more recent ones, uh, there's definitely been development on Brandon's end as far as the performance and things. So um, I don't know. Maybe he gets off stage and that's who he is now. I don't know, but I kind of see this. Uh, same thing that you've seen here of uh, the person that we were around or saw or interacted with is not the same guy that's running around on stage. And when he kind of admits it here that he gets nervous, he shakes a little, uh, obviously he's overcame and he's touring the world. So anytime I talk about this, I don't want it to sound like I'm criticizing or, yeah. or critiquing. Uh, if anything, I'm trying to praise uh, and, and say, look what you've overcame from, from Nephi and how we start the song to where you are now. So uh, that's a lot longer than I thought we'd spend on on that line, but uh, it, yeah, it, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I notice that when he in concerts, he sometimes says, "I don't usually talk between songs that much," and says, you know, something about trying to stay out of trouble or something. But I wish he would talk more and tell more stories between songs. But you can tell either he feels like in the past he said things he shouldn't have or. Uh, people aren't here there to hear me talk. They just want to hear the song, so let's just get to it. But you know, I think you get to see a lot more of his what he's really like when he talks between the songs, and he gives his little giggle laugh. And um, you know, I think people love it, but for some reason he's hesitant to talk much between the songs. Yeah, maybe you, you build a persona that you don't want everyone to see inside and see the real you. I don't know. But no, there, there's definitely... What he's doing is working for him. So like it, I said, it's hard to criticize him. It is working for him, but there is the the Brandon that, you know, off stage kind of has his, his uh, Utah accent, as we've had people say. I don't know if he does or not, but there, there's a different person and, and performance that comes out. And uh, I think it's being developed here when he's, when he's not running away from home, but in a way running away from uh, the safety of, of his parents and that the golf course and everything that he's known to go on this river river journey down Vegas and see what ends up happening. So, but if 15 years ago, he said, sometimes I hate the line I walk. It's possible that that's still the case. It's probably hard to, to walk that line between family man and rock and roll superstar. Yeah. I think he's, he's been on record as during this time, um, meeting, dating his wife, Trying to figure out, and I know we talk about all this all, all the time, but it's what it is. It's what this whole album's about. He, he's trying to figure out if that's what he wants in life, if that's the path he's going to go down, and if so, how he's going to balance it or or what he's going to do. So, uh, And there is some of that. Sometimes I, I hate the line I walk like, 
it would be a lot easier just to say, I'm going to go full-on rock and roll star and burn it all to the ground, or I'm going to go full-on saint and become a, I don't know, bishop or something like that. <laughs> like, it, it's Walk hard. Away from it all. Yeah, it's hard to be in the middle, especially when you're getting success and going this way. Um, you know, it just, it's hard. And, and and he hates it, but in the same way that he hates it, he he obviously feels compelled to live it. So he's, he's going to do his best to do it. Let's get to Adam. Here's a clip from a concert, uh, and maybe a couple concerts I'll have to splice together, where Brandon in 2000-something, I can't remember <laughs> what year, there was uh, one tour, I think it was maybe 2016, or late 2015, there was one of the tours where they were playing at uh, This River is Wild, and he would introduce it by saying what you're about to hear. There's nothing wrong with a little town that I grew up in. But I'm busting my ass up here tonight to make sure that they don't ever send me back. I'll tell you a little story about it. So my friend, my friend Adam Brown, he called his mother a bitch in the eighth grade. And it shook me up. It shook me up a little bit. And neither of us knew at the time of the incident that it would one day make its way into a song. It's a song about me yearning for something more that was being offered in the middle of Utah in 1996. But, maybe there was nothing wrong with that town after all. Maybe there was something wrong with me because fast forward 20 years, I'm still hungry. I'm still chasing it. I'm still on to it. So a couple of parts of that are interesting. First that he, you know, he says, I'm up here on stage, so they never send me back to Utah or to that small town. To, to Nephi. Yeah, yeah, he's so back they never in send Utah. Me back to Nephi. And, you know, that, that stings a little bit at first until he gets to the end. And, you know, he's, he's weaving a story that, um, you know, at the end when he says, maybe there's nothing wrong with that town, maybe something wrong with me because whatever I was chasing when I left, I'm still chasing. And I don't know what it has to do with the song, but interesting to hear his take on yearning for something more than was being offered to him in the middle of Utah in 1996. And yeah, I don't think it would have really mattered where he was at the time, <laughs> it feels like. I mean, yeah, really, true. I think his personality, even if he'd been in Vegas, he didn't want to just stay in Vegas. He, he wanted to tour the world, apparently, and, and live this life that he's got. So, uh, yeah, it does kind of sting when it's like I was trapped and they didn't have... And, and to be honest, like... Nephi 1996, we didn't have a whole lot. Of, I mean, the internet was very uh, new. It was it was it was a new thing. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of accelerated learning options. It was kind of you, you got what you got. It wasn't like I mean, we weren't like neglected so to say, but it wasn't a metropolis city with like art districts or or you know musical venues or, or some of that stuff. So it was just kind of I mean, there was more to the world, which the song kind of talks about. So. Uh, maybe he had that little back of his back of his mind thing of I want to do something I want to be great and it's not going to happen if I just stay in Nephi, um, which I mean not to say that you can't accomplish things and be be great staying in small towns but for Brandon that wasn't wasn't the path so uh, it was kind of reassuring there at the end when he talks about I mean he's talking throughout there even Adam talking to his mom and how it's you know just wrecking his world a little bit and just kind of shocking him so you can tell that. He's kind of in the bubble still. He's still a little just 
developing, trying to come of age kind of thing. And then, you know, he wants something more out of life. It's not going to be offered for him here in Nephi. He gets out, but then at the end of the song, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily Nephi. It was more him, and he still has. I mean, you look at some of the members of the band um, that are no longer touring full time. Like it seems like Brandon still has this desire to keep going, to keep you know producing, keep going out on tour. And some of these other people are like, hey, we're good, or we can you know go on these other projects, or we don't need to tour as much. Uh, so maybe it is him, not so much the places that he's at. Because I mean, it kind of kind of is a theme in his life of. He's not slowing down, and you can either get on board or you can get out of the way. It's kind of how it seems, right? So anyway, um, that I do want to say, if you're new to the show, if you haven't listened, uh, we interviewed Adam. We'll probably talk a little more about Adam here as well, but uh, we interviewed Adam. I don't know what episode number it was. It's been a little while ago, but I'll go back and listen to it. We, we go in detail about the song. We go in detail about him and Brandon's friendship relationship, uh, about him coming over the park and his mom coming and looking for him and and uh i think it it definitely puts a little more perspective in this song for people that you know it did for us and we grew up there so yeah that's one of my favorite interviews that we've done i'm so glad adam was willing to come and talk to us and and share his his perspective on it because without that perspective certain parts of this would still be a mystery <laughs> like the little girl play you know it's like first time hearing that i was like what kind of weird stuff was going on in the park in nephi <laughs> who's these creepers that who are these, who are these creepers that are, that are trying, little girls. <laughs> trying to steal little girls in their little van you know i don't know whatever but yeah it's interesting to think about like you said about no matter where he would have lived he, he probably would have been chasing something that's it made me think you know what if he would have never left vegas what if he would have stayed there maybe he would have thought you know there's nowhere else i can go that would top this and maybe he wouldn't have had that had much of a desire to chase something bigger. So I think the whole, you know, the, the Killers fandom, they, they owe Nephi a big uh, big thank you for being so <laughs> lame to Brandon that he wanted something better. And he chased it. And now, as, of, as a result, this is what we've got. We've got eight, seven and a half albums. And <laughs> half on the way somewhere. Tour, world tours. Lots happened in the last... 25 years or ever it's been. Yeah, I mean, it's possible he might have thought, oh, L.A. or New York or, or London or Tokyo or something. But uh, it wouldn't, I mean, it's just the story itself is probably, one of these days they'll make like, a, you know, the, the the biopics that they make of these people. Just everything that had to line up for the Killers to become a band. Um, it's just catching lightning in a bottle. If Brandon had grown up in Vegas, who knows if he gets into music or not, if he stays around. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I mean, he obviously had a talent. Uh, but moving back, uh, the time frame of when he moves back, how they have classified ads and you're going through the, the City Weekly or whatever it was, the Vegas you know, paper where you see the classified ads uh, to the point where you're finding people that have similar interests as you and then going and forming a band, having that band have success enough that it gets recognized. We've talked about how big Vegas is and, and the music scene a lot. I think I kind of just beat that drum. Uh, but then to get picked up and somehow end up over over in uh, the UK and to just blow up there and then come back to America, have one of the, I mean, Hot Fuss was one of the biggest albums at the time. Uh, and that's back when albums still kind of mattered. Uh, if they were to have that success today, maybe Mr. Brightside's a big TikTok you know, video or something like that. But with the whole album, you know, who knows? Uh, so anyways, it's just everything that happened at that time. Um, 
I mean, it launched a, a career, and I, I just don't think that's going to be replicated if you stay. If everything didn't line up how it lined up, it's almost like winning the lottery. If everything had to be in play for that to happen, um, down to down to who they signed sign the record deals with and, and him getting his heart broke by some girl uh, that was only a kiss, you know. Like, I don't know. That's hard to replicate. So, uh, again, we come on here and we want to talk about Nephi. We want to talk about how great it is. We want to talk about how we felt like kind of scorn when Brandon left and didn't ever mention it. But he played everything right. Like, this is one of those things where you go back and everything he did uh, in his career was the right move. And you don't see that very often. Even, you know, when he was going on tour or whatever and, and starting feuds with bands at the time. <laughs> like, the regrets now, it got their name in the press and it got a little more steam on him and it put a little more of a chip on his shoulder, I think, to show what he had. And that's just kept going. And then he builds relationships, men's fences. I think that's one of the points of this this podcast. Not only is talking about Nephi, we have people come on and share stories. Uh, we like to talk about Pressure Machine and things that inspired that. But uh, I just think it's it's looking back on this Brandon story, and I mean, I don't know how you do it because it's just almost a almost a if you're to write the script and send it into Hollywood, they'd say this is too perfect. There has to be more more to the story here. I mean, you have people dying and, and, and stuff and you have breakups and stuff, but there's not like a major plot point where you have to, I mean, it just works. Everything just lines up too perfectly uh, for some, I mean, you know, it'd be like a Disney movie versus a, I don't know. That's, that's my take on it. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff. I don't know behind the scenes and stuff that happens. I'm sure there's always uh controversy and, and, and people fighting and do this, do that. I'm sure there's a lot that goes on that I don't see, but just as far as playing your cards, Brandon did it perfectly to become what he became, in, in my opinion. Well, I want to follow down this route a little bit more while we're talking about it, because I don't know when it'll ever come up again, except in some random episode. But to think what what would we not have had Brandon never lived in Nephi? we we got to give Nephi some credit here. I mean, that's I, I want to talk about Nephi some more. <laughs> 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 if we didn't, have, we gotta give Nephi some credit, people. Without Nephi, you would have no pressure machine. Some people wouldn't care. Some people don't like it. Maybe some people be happy about that. Not not us though. You would not have Andy. You're a star. You would not have half the stuff we talked about on pressure machine or on Sam's Town. You wouldn't have corner of Main Street, two star town. This river is wild. I mean, I don't know that you have the killers, right? Like, well, that's yeah. I think that's where I, I was saying before that. Would, he wouldn't have been wouldn't have had a drive to to do something bigger if he already thought he was at the peak. So, but just like literally, all these references to Nephi and songs about Nephi that wouldn't exist. So, and some of your favorites and some of my favorites. So, uh, when we talked with Adam, and I, I think it was in the interview, it might have been afterwards, but he said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't want you know to take it out of context, but he said I think uh, Nephi had a lot more of an influence on Brandon than Brandon realized at the time. And uh, coming back in Pressure Machine, I think Brandon started to realize that and, and put out the album. But uh, even going back to just like watching people get up early in the morning, I know it was usually his dad, but that was kind of the community. Of It was a, it was a, it was a blue, blue-collar town for the most part if people either get up early and commute up to Provo or Salt Lake or, or somewhere out to Delta to, to the power plant um, or they're working at the, the factories or, or NRP. But it's a it's a work town. It's kind of like cement plant. The cement plant. It. Yeah, it's a, it's like a it's like a Bruce Springsteen song, which he'd <laughs> later come to incorporate as like a influence. Like he can relate to that. Uh, I mean, Vegas is 
is a different city as well. People are working, but it's like a, I don't know, you got the casinos and you got the life and it's kind of like a, it's just a different feel. It's more of a glitzy, glamorous, boy, look what can happen. Then you got the dark side of that. Nephi was just hard work, show up, go do your job. And as long as you do your best, everyone's proud of you. Uh, for a long time with our athletics sports teams, um, you know, we take region or they take second place in state in a lot of things. And I think we kind of got made fun of that, about that. Um, I think we were interviewing Clint, somebody. Yeah. Clint was, was saying, you know, how a lot of the other teams, you know, around the state that we'd play would just say, you know, basically Juap's happy to come in second or, or they're going to lose or, or whatever. But in the community, it wasn't seen that way. They put up the banners, we put up the, the trophies, and they were happy to compete as long as they knew that you went out and gave it your best. That was good enough, right? And so, you know, and obviously some of that's changed over the years and and they've broke through the barriers, the state titles and things like that have happened. But at the time, it was just like, and that's still the same the same philosophy, just do your best. And if you take state, that's awesome, that's what we want. But if you if you don't, as long as you give it your all. And I think that was kind of the, the community of, of what Brandon was growing up in, too, of like, just do your best. And whatever you want to do, if you do your best, that's going to be success for you. And I, I think that's why, I mean, some of that's with your family and some of that's with your upbringing. Some of that's just your, your work ethic and what's in you. But I think when we're seeing some of this come out and he's writing these songs about these people and these things that he's lived, uh, some of that's in there as well as like, as long as he's doing his best, like... He feels like he's he's successful, and that's why he's not taking time off of vacations. He's he said before his dad never got you know months off at a time, and, and he turned out just fine. So I mean that's not all Nephi, but I think some of it is. And I think like you were saying, we don't have Andy, you're a star. Uh, we don't have a lot of stuff off of Samstown that we've been talking about. And then you know there's Track Street, there's there's the corner of Main Street, there's the Sinclair Station in the Land of the Free, which we haven't ever talked about much in detail, but. I'm convinced it's Nephi. I don't know. Boy. You don't have boy. All the, and who knows how many upcoming songs, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think there's definitely an influence there. Brand talks about growing up there during his uh, formative years. And during your formative years, a lot of things happen that form you. That's why they're called your formative years, right? So I think a lot of it is, is uh, I don't know if it's values of life or your life structure or how you see the world or how you interact with the world. A lot of that came from uh, Nephi in that community and, you know, even going to the train wreck and stuff of like things that come back a few years later that you forgot all about basically. But once he comes back to town and starts writing, that was at the top of his head. That made a lot more impact on him than he even realized. So when he's saying those those kind of things about some, <clears throat> some of the songs he wrote on Pressure Machine, I mean, how much was just in there in the subconscious that was coming out when he's writing these other songs that he might not even realize were related to Nephi. Uh, we've talked about horses, a lot of songs about horses. And, you know, there's there's Nevada wild mustangs and all that kind of stuff. But really, you're growing up, you're driving around town, you're walking around town, you're up at the golf course, you see people riding their horses around. Like, a lot of that's inter intertwined there. And I do think uh, I do think we'll give Nephi the tip of the cap on that one, Jimmy. I think, I mean, I mean just besides the, if, if Brandon just stayed in Payson, still moved out of Vegas, still moved back at the same time. And everything lined up except for that Nephi experience. I don't think we have the killers, and we definitely don't have the songs, you know, if if they do come to be uh, a band. It's definitely not the same songs and probably not the same the same vibe. 
maybe there's more kids into new order and pacing. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't feel as like <laughs> neglected or no one's into what I'm into. I guess we'll never know, but it's a little bigger city at the time. It's probably not any more diverse than Nephi, but who knows? Yeah, it's it's fun to talk butterfly effect and <laughs> what would happen. <clears throat> we're a podcast where we, I mean, this is our whole thing is talking about the, the impact of Nephi on the killers, essentially. And so it's fun just to take a step back and talk about what would be different. And, you know, so we're, usually we're focused on this is this is the, a reference that we see as related to Nephi or impacted by Nephi. So it's just fun to take a, a step back for a minute and think about how things would be different without without the time he spent there. I got a, I got a question about this Adam line. Okay. When I first listened uh, before we started doing the podcast and stuff, I always thought it was Adam was dropping bombs, kind of like dropping an atom bomb. And then you could get into like dropping bombs is like cursing or, or dropping an F-bomb or something like that. And uh, going through school and stuff at the time, I guess that could all be related to, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if that was the, if that was the, Met the meaning to it, but it says Adam taking bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of bombs was Adam taking? What, what's what's that about? There, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's just you know an obvious reference to Adam bomb. I don't know why I chose taking instead of of dropping, but my first thought was you know since it talks about what he called his mom that it was related to to vulgarity, but I don't know. I'm I'm still. Left wondering. The other kind of surprising thing is is when uh, in that clip he's talking about his his friend Adam and how neither one of them would have thought that this would have ever happened or whatever. But made it in the song. Uh, made it in the song. But when uh, we're talking to Adam, Adam didn't even know the song was about him until he heard that clip. Basically, so yeah. it's kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just like you said. He sings about stuff that happened in his formative years, and this was had an impact on him to hear his his friend call his mom that in eighth grade. It's not something that, you know, it's just a sign of growing up that you start questioning your parents and start thinking you're smarter than them. and Start pushing the boundaries a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, a normal thing that happens to a teenager. And, I don't know, he's trying to think of a <laughs> of a, something from those years that had an impact on him that was what made it in the song. So I, I think it sounds like it surprised him that it made it in a song. <laughs> Well, in eighth grade, he didn't think it would, obviously. But well, going back to eighth grade, when we talked about the little, the little girl play, and we talked to Adam about this too. But like, uh, I think he said something to the effect of, "We were we were little boys at the time too. It wasn't like, yeah, I mean, you know, you're going looking for girls or whatever. But it's eighth grade. You're supposed to be home. You're down at the park. Your mom's out looking for you. And uh, you know, I don't know. They're just uh, they're not even high school age at this time. You're you're in eighth grade. You're just out." Uh, probably a, a summer's night just trying to test those boundaries and see what you can get away with and uh, and learn a little bit about yourself. And sometimes you call your mama a name that, uh, you, I don't know, you, you get documented in a song for uh, the rest of your life about, I don't know. Yeah, this is a, a weird one for me to reflect on because my oldest is now in eighth grade. <laughs> and I can see, you know, some of the perspectives that change about this age. And your perspective at that point is, why can't my mom just leave me alone? But the reality is she's out there because she's worried about you. She cares. You know, why is she caring so much about me? It's not what you usually think, but that's what's actually happening. (laughs) But you know, there's just that struggle that starts between your independence and this is not helping me pick up girls, mom, for you to come driving by in the minivan looking for me. This is when (laughs) I need you to leave me alone for a minute. All right. 
Yeah, especially not just trying to get you to pray. That's the other thing of uh, she's probably seen her her son and just wants to make sure he's, you know, you got to go to church, you got to be praying, you got to be doing this. And he's got this independent streak of like, stop telling me to pray, stop coming in the minivan trying to find me. Like, I'm going to go do my life, let me live my life, mom, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. This might be a point in life where if someone starts rebelling against their parents, church is one of those places where that can start to happen, obviously, but... And you start kind of questioning things and trying to figure out uh, what actually you you believe or care about versus what your parents have told you. And, you know they they care about your yes trying to find that independent streak. Yeah, I mean just as a refresher, the hippie in the park stuff. You know, there's we have ideas about a specific person that might be about, but Adam also shared that there at the park is the or across the street from the park is the greyhound bus station or where you can buy a ticket and essentially a greyhound bus stop there was a park bench essentially which was where you'd wait to get picked up by the bus and he said that over the years there were colorful personalities that came through there of you know people taking the bus through town that normally wouldn't have seen around nephi so get exposed to a different uh type of person than than what usually would be found in nephi and they'd go over and I guess, have conversations with these uh, people. Some might be transients and some are just people crossing the country. But It's also funny to think about where he says combing over the dark because they make it sound like someone's like hiding in the bushes or something. But as we, as you've all learned from Boy, when it gets dark in Nephi, it's dark. You know, the park is just dark because, you know, there's a light or two, but it's a dark place. It's not like when you first hear it, he's talking about being in the dark looking for little girls. Or it sounds like someone in the bushes trying to lure little kids, but that's not that's not what's <laughs> happening here. It's just it's just a dark park where the kids are hanging out, and the main purpose of the boys is to get the girls. So they're all the same age; they're just in eighth grade, so they're little. <laughs> the only line that new line that happens, you know, it goes back into the chorus: "Better run for the hills, catch where the current lets you go." The one part that is new that isn't in the previous choruses is after he says, and watch the clouds fall from the sky, he says, the pain is hell in me tonight. So that that's one that I've circled because it wasn't there before, and it's, I mean, those are strong words. <laughs> this is painful. And, you know, I just, the only thing I could tie it back to was just this desire to, to escape. It was strong, obviously, strong enough that he did it mm-hmm. at such a young age and left his parents and... He didn't want to be a Nephi anymore, obviously. Well, the other the other perspective is that how hard it, how hard it must have been to leave his parents and go off on his own. Not really, you know, relatively on his own. Probably was hard to leave that security that, you know, we, we've seen in other songs that he never talks about wanting to rebel against his parents. It's always just wanting something more than Nephi was offering. So to leave his parents that he appears to have had a great relationship with would have been a, a painful decision. Yeah, that's true. Um, we know his mom was one of his, you know, biggest supporters, especially early on. Uh, a lot of the early concerts and stuff. Whenever you talk to somebody uh, that was there, um, most of the time they bring up his mother, and his mom was there, regardless of where the concert was in Vegas, California, Utah. You know, she she was there, and a lot of the early victims got to know and have a good relationship with her. Uh, still with his dad, he's writing songs um, about just what a guy his dad was to provide for the family. So I, I definitely agree with that. I don't think it's, yeah, rebellious or you don't understand or you don't get me. I think it was, yeah, this isn't going to work for me. It's nothing that you guys did. 
uh, wrong. I just need to move on with life because this isn't this isn't working. And and to their credit, they allowed it, which I think would be uh, pretty pretty hard. Um, their youngest kid usually uh, you you can't wait to get the first one out, but the youngest one's kind of the baby that you want you want to hold on to, so you're not empty nesters for as long as you can. Uh, from from what I understand, anyway, it is kind of interesting and. Again, you got the double meaning there of like, I can't stand to live in Nephi for another second, or this is going to be the last home cooked meal I have from my mom in a long time in this house. And uh, I'm going to go jump in the river and that's going to be painful. Sometimes you close your eyes and see the place where you used to live when you were young, Derek, and it can be a painful memory of the <laughs> whatever. That, that song doesn't exist, Jimmy, if, uh, exactly. if he doesn't have a place where he lived in Nephi when he was, well, it's another place anyways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess the other point is that we've talked about the uh, the influence of Satan in potentially in Bling and in this song, and to bring hell back up again might just be bringing back some more of that symbolism. So, uh, but then we go to this last verse, and uh, it's basically a whole new wrinkle. If ever before we were listening and thought, well, without Brandon's context or whatever, maybe that's about Nephi, maybe it's not. This definitely makes it about Nephi, and it's almost like it's a whole new song or a whole new. That could have just wrapped up. Rivers Wild could have been done after that last verse. Song's over, uh, but it comes back with this uh, bit here about the fairgrounds. Kind of a postlude. Just he's not really singing it at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of yeah this re- retrospective uh, memories coming back or, or being shared here. And he even slips into his Nephi accent, or uh, his Nephi. I don't think I ever seen so many headlights. That's true. That's true. I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah, I didn't even put that one together. But um, I ever seen. It's I like, ever he's seen. Missing have, have never. Well, so I'll. I'll yeah. I, Sorry, to throw you off. No, we've talked about this before, and I, I don't mean to make fun of Nephi. I love Nephi. We're doing this podcast because we both love Nephi. And if we, I even think if we grew up in like somewhere else. I don't think we do this podcast, even if Brandon was from, the, like, say Payson again. That's where I like to go back to because that was where he's first at. If me and you were from Payson and Brandon went on to do his thing, I can't say this because I didn't grow up here, but I, I'd feel different. Like, I think there's a connection with Nephi and the people because it was small. Um, there's just something different about it. And some people love it. Some people hate it. And sometimes it's both. But And so uh, we talk about with the interstitials and stuff, there's definitely... Um, when you're from Nephi, you speak a different way. Yeah, there's a little bit of an accent. There's a little bit of that. Um, I might be coming out when I'm talking here. I don't know. Uh, and over the years, it's one of those things that you try to kind of recognize and mask or not use. <laughs> uh, but in the same, if I go back and we start talking with our high school friends, it, it's one of those things that you yeah. almost slip right back into it without even realizing you're back into it. Uh, and it, it doesn't even have to be like in Nephi or, or friends that still live in Nephi. You know, just people that you were around, uh, it just kind of takes you back there. I shared uh, last time, I think, too, I don't want this to be about me or or whatever. The killers is what we're talking about. Nephi is what we're talking about. But this is my experience with it. So Share it. Uh, so, so just sorry. But uh, I went on a mission. I, I brought that up, too. I went to Seattle, Washington. And my first time when I got up there, We'd have to go knock on doors and try to convert people, and you'd have to come up with your little sales pitch, so to say, of what you're going to do when somebody opens the door. And you kind of get some training and some things, but not really. Like, you kind of get the fundamentals down, but it's kind of, at least back then. You're There's kind no of, science to it. so you Yeah, you're kind of on your own. So um, you have a trainer. So I had this guy that was from 
like somewhere up in the Salt Lake area. And uh, if I ever see him today, we're not friends. So it wasn't a great experience. Uh, anyways, so he wasn't like reassuring and building me up, uh, so to say. It, and uh, I would go knocking on doors and, he'd, you know, he'd say, this is my door. So we'd go up there and say his little pitch. And of course, they didn't let us in. So we'd go to the next door <laughs> and he's like, okay, he did a few. And then he's like, it's your turn. So I was kind of doing my thing. And I'd probably been out, I don't know, a couple months, something like that. And one day he just got really upset with me. And he's like, you don't even know how to talk. Like, 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 what are you talking about? He's like, we've been going back and forth doors for, you know, a couple months now. And you don't even know how to speak English or something like that. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, whatever. And he's like, you just went to this door and said we was in your neighborhood. And we're wondering if we could talk about Jesus or something like that. I'm like, yeah. He's like, we was? I'm like, yeah. Like, we we was in the neighborhood. Like, I didn't, it didn't even click with me. I'm a high school graduate at this point. Now, some might argue whether or not that should have happened or not. But I, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at him dumbfounded. Like, I have no clue. I'm not using proper diction or grammar or anything like that. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, that's not what you, we we are or we we're, we are in your neighborhood. And then like, he's trying to give me this. English lesson. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, I, I'm from Nephi. I don't know. But anyways, uh, that's kind of what first clicked with me of like, okay, maybe there's some things here that just I didn't get growing up that, you know, other people will make. Like, and, for, and to his credit from that point forward, I had to work on things I was saying because, yeah, if I show up and I sound like a you know, a hillbilly from down the sticks. We was in your neighborhood and wanting to talk to you about Jesus. Like, yeah, like who's going to, I don't know. Anyways, uh, but I didn't even realize I was doing it. And the same with, uh, we've talked about people wouldn't say God. They'd say God, like G-A-W or G-A-H or something like that because you couldn't take the Lord's name in vain. And they'd have this these girls who I usually picture, they had like a certain haircut uh, with the big bangs. And oh my God, can you believe that happened? And, and like, I don't know if it still is that way down there today. I don't really hear it as much. You know, we was, or I seen somebody over there doing, like, instead of, I don't know, I seen it instead of, yeah, there's just certain ways and phrases. And, and when you brought that up at the fairgrounds and to some, some of it to me is just kind of like a warm blanket and it feels like home and it feels like, like that's the way it should be almost to say, like, it's just like innocence to some point of like, yeah, it's just a little simpler, and that's just how it is. It's kind of like when you go down to the south, and they have their own dialect and, and whatever. But then to another spot of when you see Brandon, like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not going to be able to live my best life or do what I want to do. It's kind of that, too. It's like it's kind of holding you back a little bit of just, like, you guys can't even knock on a door and, and give a pitch about trying to, like, find Jesus right. Like, what's wrong with you? So, anyways, that was my personal story. Um but the scene, the scene it and the, the we was and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. It's kind of uh, nostalgic to me. And it still kind of happens if you go down and, and talk to some old timers in Nephi or maybe go to the right hardware store or leases and talk to the right crew. You'll probably get some of that. But I do think a lot of that's kind of gone away, which is probably a good thing. But in a way, it kind of makes me sad. Well, when I think about it, you know. These are things that people don't misunderstand when you say something that way. It doesn't change the meaning. It's just kind of a a marker when you say something differently than most other people say it. That makes them wonder, 
where you're from or why you don't say it the same way as everybody else. And, you know, so it's nice to kind of have your own thing that, you know, we don't judge each other for it and we feel comfortable, you know, you know what I'm saying. So why does it matter if I use proper, you know, if I talk like a guy with a teacup and my pinky out, you know, <laughs> I should have said, we want to talk about some things that they've seen. And we was in your neighborhood. And want to talk about God. <laughs> you ever heard about God? <laughs> can't say God. Except for in a religious context, I guess I was all right too. But anyway, so we're down at the fairgrounds, and uh, I posted on the Facebook last week a scene from the demolition derby, which kind of comes to mind when I hear this. Although when Brandon was there, the demolition derby didn't exist, so it's either uh, the Ute Stampede Rodeo, or as was brought to our attention, there was a circus that would come to town kind of periodically um, throughout the early 90s. 80s. Yeah, 80s so was late 80s. With my research, I found it came in 82 and 89. I don't know if it came other years, but those are the times I found references to it in the newspaper of a circus that came to town. And when our friend Ben brought that up to us, I instantly remembered being at a circus when I was a tiny kid. And did I say 82 or 84? 1984. Whatever, 1984 and 1989, a circus came to town <laughs> at least those two years. And I have such faint memories of it, but I, they're still with me today. So I know what happened. I, I sent a text to my sister, who's just a year and a half older than me, and she remembered it. She's like, we need to talk to mom and dad about this. I talked to my parents. They're like, <laughs> they had the vaguest of memories. Of course, to me, as a little kid, it stood out, you know, to see elephants or this big tent in Nephi. Um, at trapeze artists and whatever. And I was trying to figure out when it was. I don't, if it was in 1989, I was seven years old. I would have had a lot stronger memories of it, but it's hard for me to believe that I remembered something when I was two years old, but it, those are the two options that I found. So it was interesting to, to reflect on that. The circus has come to town, but well, it might, it might've been before Brandon even lived there. Well, even your sister that was a little older, wasn't that much older. So she did, I mean, to have a memory yeah. too. She would have been four. <laughs> uh, and, and there might have been, who knows, there could have been other kind of lesser known circuses that kind of moseyed on through town occasionally. But I don't know that all the headlights would have been down at the fairgrounds for it. I think it would have been a, a sparse sight unless, I don't know. Uh, I remember, I don't remember any circuses rolling on through, but uh, I wasn't really the circus going guy, I guess, at the time. Well, one of the things I found was when they had the circus come through, there was an ad for a clown contest where you could dress up as a clown, come down to the park, sponsored by Vards, and if you won the contest, you won tickets to the show. And if you showed up in your clown costume to the circus, I think they let you in for free. So uh, it's just funny because that contest happened at the park where the hippie was, you know, where Adam was hanging out with the hippie. And the, Which isn't creepy at all. A bunch of kids dressed up as clowns, clowns getting, into yeah. the, getting into the circus for free. I wish there were pictures of this. I would love to see. <laughs> there might be somewhere, but... Yeah, uh, we've talked a lot about the Stampede Rodeo, uh, whatever it was. I think the the point is the community, you know, that's where everybody would get together. And uh, the fairgrounds were pretty dusty, whether it was a rodeo or something going on. It's usually in the middle of the summer when it's, you know, 90 to 100 degree temperature. You get things running around on dirt, horses, cars, elephants, people. Uh, it's going to kick up some dust and then... The headlights when everybody's getting ready to go home down at the fairgrounds, like it is. I mean, 
as, as far as Nephi goes, that's the most traffic we ever get. That's it's like the biggest big, con- concentration of cars all leaving at the same time. Yeah, it's Definitely. kind of a big uh, traffic jam, and you've never seen so many lights as you do right down there at the fairgrounds. But I remember hearing this for the first time and just like knowing, you know, I didn't know it was about Adam Bruff, but I knew this part was about Nephi because it's just a gravel dirt parking lot. And it's, you know, the scene comes right to mind when he describes it. And then there's, yeah, there's something pulling him. Like he, he's still wanting to get out. He sees the, the circus and the crew or the carnies or the whatever is setting up shop start. I mean, this thing would get put up over overnight. Like uh, they, they'd show up on like a, you know, random weekday. Uh, well, they kind of all trickle in throughout the week. But essentially, um, especially with the carnival, uh, the rodeo was kind of ran separately. Uh, these people show up with like semi trucks and trailers, and, and overnight they start constructing all these rides and you know uh, tents and and games and stuff. And uh, just as quickly as it goes up, they they tear down and they're out of town and they're off to the next stop. And I, I think that you know metaphorically here is Brandon's like there's something pulling him. These guys just come in overnight. They show up. They do their job. Uh, a couple of days later, they're back on the road to the next spot and. Uh, where his life turned out, you know, that's kind of what they do. Um, the band shows up for a concert. They, they put up the arena. They build the stadium, whatever. He comes out, he performs, and off to the next. So uh, something definitely was pulling him. And uh, at this point, when they're putting this song and writing this together, um, they have started touring, and they've just had hot fuss, and he's kind of living that, that lifestyle. So I think probably reflecting on that, um, I don't know if it's retrospective as far as, thinking back to Nephi and this really made a meaning on him, or if it's just kind of a good uh, analogy of like, this was happening in my youth when I was Nephi and I wanted to get out of there and they got out of there and now I'm doing the same thing. Um, from what he says there in that audio clip, uh, he's still doing the same thing. So, you know, it, it, nothing's wrong with Nephi, Jimmy. We can say we was and we can say whatever we want. It's not us, it, it's them. And, uh, and uh, you know, there, there's that tight community feel. I think other places have that. It's not exclusive to Nephi or, or, or even small towns necessarily. There's some big cities where everyone on the block watches out for each other, whatever. Uh, but I do think it's just kind of interesting that this whole song's uh, about trying to get out. Um, something's pulling him. Maybe he doesn't want to leave mom and dad or the family necessarily, but he kind of feels like he's got to and goes through that whole struggle. Then at the end, it's like, hey, the the man in red, the circus is getting packed up. He talked to me at the end, the first of the show or first of the song, and here we are at the end. He's getting ready to leave. There's something pulling me. Something pulling me. Well, that's, you know, I, I, I love that line because, you know, it goes back to the, the quote from the concert. There's still something pulling him. And, you know, when we talk back to, or look back in the lyrics where it talks about the current, that's what the current does. It pulls you pulls you with it. And someone's got to be there when the current spits you out. <laughs> So he's still he's still in the current. And yeah, I love the line about making sure Mary still goes around. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, I've thought at different times about is that that can have a double meaning with marijuana or <laughs> with Mary the mother of God, you know, <laughs> cuz you know, with the religious themes that I'm trying to th- shove down everybody's throat from this. <laughs> well, you haven't shared mission stories, so yeah, <laughs> I think I'm, not there uh, yet, but, I'm well, the only one guilty of that so far. Well, nobody even knew where Utah was when I was in Italy on my mission, let alone Nephi. So, And then it just ends again with, it's a long, long, long way down. 
So he got pulled out of town, and the rest is history. This river is wild. This river is wild. We got yeah, we got the current. We got you know he's still riding the current. I don't know if somebody's still waiting for if he gets thrown out or if they're just good with it now. He's shown that he can handle the current. He can handle the current. He's he's forged his own way, and yeah, this is the most Nephi song before Pressure Machine came out. So uh, I I find it kind of not funny, but it's just kind of strange to me. It never was a single or anything like that. It's kind of a deeper track, but it's a lot of people's favorite uh, song when, you know, people get online posting their favorite songs off Samstown or just in general, that it is about Nephi and getting out. I think a lot of people probably can relate with life because uh, we're all, you know, at some point trying to figure out our lives and which way the current's going to take us or which way we want to go. Uh, but also just had that connection to us, especially because, you know, we were Nephi. So it's just one of those things where it's kind of cool that it's a lot of people's favorite songs. Um, if you're from Nephi, it's probably probably top five, if not your favorite. So, uh, And then there's some people that probably had no clue about Nephi and just thought it was a nice little tune. One of the cool parts about the song is that with our friends, we have some special connection to the Carnies for some reason. We just, <laughs> we love to joke about them, about the, <laughs> the Carney coming to town. It's just like a running joke for the last 40 years, 30 years. I don't know. It's I just funny it's that, because it's just a unique thing. thing that comes through town. I think it's that same thing. We were in the eighth grade kind of era, and you're kind of rebelling or whatever, and you get go down and you see these carnies, and uh, they live a different lifestyle than what we've ever seen, you know, and uh, whether you're heckling with them or just kind of jealous that they do get to pack up and move or that they're bathing down at the down at the creek. I don't know. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah. Something about, well, these carnival barkers, you know, that are are taking advantage of people in these small towns that don't know that, you know, this this game is really rigged and there's no way that you can shoot a hole in this target or make it in this basket. Ball in the bucket winner every time. The bucket that's smaller than the ball. (laughs) But, you know, I think there's something about us getting older and thinking that, you know, figuring out we're not going to get taken advantage of by these guys. We're smarter than them, even though they're... They're used to being able to go through and take advantage of people. So something they still got some of our money, but we, uh, yeah, always love for the carny. Always love for the carny. Well, then that's another episode down from Lonely Town. <laughs>